we're talking about soul renovation. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to talk about it. And our premise is, from last week in the book of Ephesians, we talked about this, that God desires for you to become fully you. He created you unique and special with certain things that He wanted you to accomplish and that your goal in life should be to be fully you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some areas that may be barriers to that and how God intends to work in our lives and how we can move towards that. I saw this quote this week from uh, a theologian from a long time ago, Augustine. It's in a confession and a prayer to God, and he says, The house of my soul is too small for you to come into it. May it be enlarged by you. It is in ruins. Restore it. The house of my soul is too small for you to come into it. May it be enlarged by you. It is in ruins. Restore it. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some ways that God can restore or renovate our lives, ourselves, who we are. And tonight, or today, it feels like tonight a little bit, right? It's kind of dark, that's all right. Today, I want to talk about an issue that even our secular, non-believing world is realizing is fast becoming a problem in our world. And that is that you and I are trying to do too much. The word that is used about the way we manage time today is the word congestion. Anybody know what congestion means? Anybody? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Anybody had congestion lately? Amen. All right. Two days ago, if I would have been preaching to you, I would have been coughing the whole time. In fact, we, we were recording some stuff for our Wednesday night, um, from the Wednesday night Bible study that we did. And because we were in the, the multi-purpose area, we had to record it later to go up on the website. And uh, I had developed a cold, a pretty nasty cold on Thursday and Friday. And I was having to edit out all the... <laughs> Alright? You know that sound, right? And here's the thing about congestion. When I get congestion in my physical self, it slows me down, right? I mean, there were Thursday and Friday, I just, I could only work so long or do certain things and then I had to sit down or relax. When you get congestion in traffic, it brings things to a stall. Well, the truth is, many of us in our lives have so many things planned and we're doing so much that it brings congestion to our lives. Last Sunday, actually, in an op-ed piece in the New York Times, a writer there talked about the reality of congestion in our lives these days. This is what they wrote. I recently noticed that people now pay $2,285 a night to stay in a clifftop room at the Post Ranch Inn in Big Sur. Does anybody want to guess what they do to be able to charge that premium? Here it is. They promise that you will have no TV in your room. And no internet access. And that you will be completely unreachable. Now think about that for a minute. They're 
charging 20. I'm sure it's a beautiful place. I'm sure there are other amenities. But part of the reason they're able to charge $2,300 a night is so you can't be bothered. In fact, some of the uh, some of the biggest companies that deal with computers are realizing there's a problem with their people working on computers all day long. Intel, a few years ago, decided an experiment where on Tuesday mornings, they had every employee have four hours of uninterrupted, no computer, no electronics time at work. Four hours. You couldn't call them. They couldn't answer a cell phone. They couldn't get on a computer. The only thing that they could do was talk to their fellow people, their fellow workers, or read or study for their job. At the end of the experiment, they asked them what they thought, and they found those people were more productive than anybody else in the company in the other hours of the week, and that they recommended it go company-wide. In barely one generation, we've moved from exalting, time-saving devices that have expanded our lives to trying to get away from them. The more ways we have to connect, the more many of us seem desperate to unplug. We're like teenagers who have gone from knowing nothing about the world to knowing too much about the world overnight. The urgency of slowing down is nothing new. In fact, there were some people several hundred years ago. Somebody in the 17th century named Blaise Pascal wrote, Distraction is the only thing that consoles our miseries, and yet it itself is the greatest of our miseries. And yet in a world where breaking news is constant, and we can find out the latest on anything we want to know, we're finding it harder and harder to disconnect. We have more and more ways to communicate and less and less to say. Partly because we're so busy communicating, we're too busy. And as we understand that, we're rushing to meet deadlines that we hardly register that what we need most is life itself. A recent survey, 44% of people said that if their life continued at the pace at which they are currently going, they are sure that health problems are coming quickly. Now, here's the deal. People used to talk about being too busy. I mean, that's kind of the thing you've kind of always said. I'm just busy. What's going on? What's happening? I'm just busy. But the truth is, people today are trying to cram more into their life than they ever have before. And it's unhealthy. It's a time management issue. And here's what I want to tell you as we look at a soul renovation project is, you will never be able to have God work in your life as He intends to work in your life if your life is so crowded that you can't fit Him in, or if your life is so crowded you can't pursue the things of God. In Psalm verse, chapter 90, verse 12, and we're going to get to Ephesians 5 in just a minute, it tells us to teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. You know, one of the things that happens as a pastor is I visit cemeteries more than most people. Most of you probably don't make a practice of just visiting the cemetery. Now, you may have a loved one in a cemetery, and so you may visit, but I visit multiple cemeteries. One of the things that I always do is because usually when I'm at a cemetery, I'm in a different place than I've been before, even in the same cemetery. As I look at the tombstones... It's always interesting to see what the tombstones have written on them. Whatever the legacy is that they wanted to leave, or whatever the legacy is that the family wanted to leave. But there's always one or two that catch my attention more than the rest. 
When I walk by a tombstone that says Larson on it, it catches my attention. Now for you, it may not catch your attention if it says Larson, but it may if it's somebody with your family name. If I walk by a tombstone that has Lyle on it, it catches my attention. Let me tell you what started to catch my attention even more than that. Is the number of gravestones I now see of people who were born the year I was born or later. Now, I realize as I grow older that that's going to increase. But what it does is it teaches us to number our days. Moses wrote that psalm and what he means there is when we realize how short life really is, it will make us determined to take value and to do what God calls us to do. Look at Ephesians 5 chapter or chapter 5 verse 15. And we're going to talk today very quickly here. By the way, I know your chairs are unbelievably comfortable, right? I didn't get any amens. I got some oh no's. So I'm going to be quick today, okay? But, but what I want you to get is, I want you to get something very important here. And so, I, what I'm going to say, just because it's a little shorter than normal, doesn't mean that it's less important. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Pay careful attention, this is out of the Holman Christian Standard, then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of of Christ. Now we want to pay careful attention to those first couple of verses that tell us to pay careful attention. And the idea there is for us to notice, to take notice in, to really evaluate, to look carefully at how we live. Now the word walk is there's used is used there, but what it means is we need to pay attention to how we live and that we don't live as unwise people but as wise. And then it tells us this is what it means to live as a wise person is to make the most of every opportunity. To use our time wisely. Let me just be real honest with you. Part of the reason that we don't use time wisely is because we have bought into three myths our culture tries to sell us that Scripture tells us is just not true. Three myths that they will try to let us in on that we need to realize are not possible. The first myth that our culture tries to tell us is, you can have it all. Not necessarily materialistically or financially, but that you can have it all. You can have, you can spend 80 hours a week at work to make your work go well. You can have a great time with your family and you can fit in your spiritual stuff and you can exercise and you can eat right and you can have a social life and you can read 20 books. You can't. You cannot. Earlier this year, um, we as a family discovered our limit. We had stuff going all the time. 
I mean, we had, uh, you know, it was this fall, and, and Luke, who starts kindergarten next year, was in a pre-K program and was in school four out of five days a week, was going to another place a couple of days a week. Eli was in school five days a week. Maddie was in school two days a week. Susan and I had stuff that we had to get done. Eli was playing baseball, and so it was fall ball, which meant that they only played half as much as regular baseball, which apparently means they have a game every night of the week in regular baseball. Because in fall ball, we played two nights a week, and sometimes on Saturdays, we, we I spent more time with the Carpenters at the ball field this fall than any time uh, we've had since I've been here. I mean, just all the time. And it was running. You know, it was one of the things. We get up in the morning, and we're like, oh, we got to do it again. And we go to bed at night exhausted and think, I've only got this much time to get up before I've got to do it all again. And we reached a point in the middle of the semester when we said, we can't do it all. So here's a radical idea. We gave up some stuff. We did. We said we're done. Because the second myth we have in our culture is not only can you do have it all, but you can do it all. You can do it all. You're just not managing your time properly. Get you a good calendar, get you a good smartphone app, get you a good day planner, and you can do it all. And you can't. Here's the last myth that we buy into, is you deserve it all. You know the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament? Somebody tell me, who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon's one of those guys in Scripture that we do what he says, not what he does. And Solomon writes this great book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, remember Solomon as a young guy was given God, said, I'll give you anything you want. And he says, I want wisdom. And he gets wisdom. And along with wisdom comes gold and all that. And he ends up with as much gold as anybody ever had in that area of the world. A great kingdom, great temple. He ends up with a thousand wives and concubines. And he says in the midst of it, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which, if you don't read to the end, is the most depressing book that you can find. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he basically says, I thought I could have it all, and guess what? I can't. And then he tells us, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5 it says, pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. You know where I see this desire to have it all and do it all and schedule it all show up the most? It's with our kids. Either our kids or your grandkids or those people that are teenagers and younger who we try to convince they can do everything. And we want them to believe that anything they want to do, God is there to give them strength to do. But the truth is, we have placed so much expectations and time constraints on them. And what it means here to walk as wise, not unwise, making the most of your time, I believe that the central idea of this entire passage and the central idea of what it means to manage your time wisely and to allow God into your life to be able to renovate who you are, to make space in your life, is this. That we must let our priorities determine how you spend your time. Not allow your time to determine your priorities. 
We must make our priorities determine how you spend your time, not let how you spend your time determine your priorities. This is what I mean by that, and this is what I think Scripture teaches us. We need to evaluate our life and say, these are the things that are most important. My guess is, if we made a list in this room, and I told you to write down the three most important things in your life, that if these three things have to get attention, if nothing else does, most of us in this room would be pretty close on what we have. Now, it might depend on where we are in life. And so, um, instead of school, work might be on there or vice versa. It might depend a little bit on where we are with our family situation, how we write that. But most of us would come up with something like that God needs priority, our family needs priority, and then how I work or my school or whatever needs priority. Now, the truth is... Most of us say that's how it ought to be. But if you were just, and I want to give you an exercise to do this week. Go home sometime this week and write down a typical day for you. And then analyze how much time you spend doing various activities. So how much time do you spend at work? How much time do you spend at school? How much time do you spend doing school? How much time do you give attention to the things of God? How much time do you give attention to your family? And at the end of the week, rank your priorities then not on what they ought to be, but what they currently are. You know, one of the things, um, I've talked about my parents before, and one of the things that I love about my parents is my parents were not the most... Um, when I was growing up, my parents were not the most um, super Christian people you could have. I mean, my mom and dad went to church. We went to church when, pretty regularly. But you, my dad wasn't a deacon. My mom wasn't on, I don't even remember my parents ever being on a committee at church. They weren't serving on certain... They, they were church people, but they weren't over the top. But when I look back, one of the things that I admire about my parents is... They always made sure that our priorities determined our schedule. By the time I got in high school, there were a group of us at our church that, um, as happens sometimes with youth groups, people started kind of splintering off. When I was in seventh grade, we had 50 people my age in our youth group. We were half the youth group our age. By the time I got to be a junior, we had 12 But one of the things that my parents got together with other parents and said is, no matter what, our children being here is a priority. And one of the things I'm most thankful to my parents and those group of parents is, when I look back on it, in the formational moments of my life, I realized the priority that the things of God had. Let me just be real honest. about some things that I see in our culture, not just our church, but our culture in general. When I was growing up, the last thing on our schedule that got crossed off was church. If everything else was having to be crossed off, church was the last thing. It was the last thing to get crossed off. So if I came home on Wednesday afternoon and the teacher had slammed us with pre-calculus homework, well, you do your pre-calculus homework, but you're going to church. If that means that you've got to stay up a little later or get up a little earlier, that's what's going to happen. You're going to church. Or if I came home and I had mysteriously forgotten to tell my parents about a science project due at 8 o'clock the next morning. Anybody ever have that happen as a parent or as a child? I remember going in one time and telling my dad, Oh, by the way, just a small little thing. We have to build a Spanish mission model by tomorrow morning. Out of cardboard with authentic architectural structure. 
Now, that was before the days of the internet, and my dad was like, what is architectural structure for a Spanish mission? What does that look like? So we, we got Gramps' encyclopedias, and we did it. We stayed in the garage all night. My point is, I always knew where the priority was in our relationship with the Lord. What I see happening across the country, and all statistics are saying, is that church is often the first thing to go off the list these days. And the question becomes, are your priorities driving your schedule? Or is your schedule driving your priorities? If you want God to be able to work in your life, the reality is you are going to have to align your schedule around the things that God intends. And so what I want you to do this week, I gave you some very practical steps last week if you were here. What I want you to do this week is to think about, maybe you write this somewhere and put it on your mirror in the morning or you tape it on your steering wheel or you put it somewhere you'll see it on a regular basis. Just this phrase from Ephesians chapter 5, that we would make the most of the time. The point is, we don't have very much time, so we have to make the most of it. And the most important thing in our lives should be our relationship with the Lord and then how it impacts our family and then how it impacts our relationships. Write the verse. Make the most of your time. And then constantly ask the question whether or not your priorities are driving your schedule or whether your schedule is determining your priorities.